Welcome back to Mind Games with Garen Emig, a weekly sellout crowd production on the network. I'm Garen, columnist for Sellout Crowd. So glad you've joined me for another show. I think you're going to like this. Um, we're talking college football with Ralph Russo, national college football writer with the Associated Press. College football never sleeps. Never sleeps. I don't know if it ever has, but now it's like it, it doesn't even doze. I doesn't nap. So we'll get into that here in just a second. We've got some topics to, to talk about and turn them back toward Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But first, of course, a thanks to the sponsors of Mind Games for their support. NextGen Roofing is on the list. Thanks to NextGen, FireLakeJobs.com, MidFirst Bank, our friends at Two Fellas Movers, always supportive, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988 Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Drive in your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Good to see you, Ralph. How you been? Good, Garen. Uh, as you said, there's uh, not much of an off-season these days, and damn it, I'm going to take some vacation soon, regardless, and, and it's going to have to just go on without me. You'll leave your phone at home. I used to say put it on yeah. silent. I'm not sure that's good anymore. I think you just leave the thing in, in, in the house or apartment, so... Yeah, um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to deleting Twitter from my phone for about oh a gosh, for just thanks. a week. For about a week. <laughs> well, let's let's start with something I think we can we can call good. The coaching carousel has not just slowed but stopped. Right? There's nothing else that can happen there unless you're going to break break a story for me. Not today, okay. as we speak. I, I do think we have come down to the point where it should be stopped. And the fact that it went into mid-February is almost mid-February is pretty notable. Mm -hmm. uh, we ended up with 30 FBS schools changing coaches, right. 14 of those in the power five. And that's, and that was in a year we really thought might be somewhat tame mm -hmm. because there has been so much activity the last couple of years. So, you know, uh, conventional wisdom would say if all these power five schools have already changed coaches in the last couple of years, well, they're not going to, how many more will change coaches? And then yeah. Nick Saban retires and Michigan, you know, Jim Harbaugh goes sure. back to the NFL and the whole thing goes spinning out of control again. You mentioned Harbaugh going to the Chargers. There's Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College, right, for a coordinator. It was at the Packers. I've already forgotten. Sure. Yeah, was Packers. Yep. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you about something that you covered on your show. You have um, the Associated Press Top 25 College Football Podcast that you do weekly. And I know a recent show you, you did centered around not just the, the changes that took place, but this idea that with all of the trouble related, all of the stress related to college football, college coaches are suddenly looking for the escape hatch, right? And and people go there now. I I'm, I get the sense that you're ready to dispel the idea that this is a flight from the from the sport, the industry. So, I guess I'm skeptical of the fact that it is a it is a troubling trend for the sport, insofar <laughs> as well, where will we find good coaches? Uh, I do think the job has never been tougher. And I also think that if you can get to the NFL, if you're a coach who has the ability to get to the NFL, you are you might be more likely to try that path. Harbaugh is a unique situation. Harbaugh's already been to a Super Bowl, right? Well, like yeah. there's not a lot of there's not a lot of coaches with Jim Harbaugh's resume out there. Jeff Halfley has an NFL background and NFL yes. connections. So again, to a certain degree, I think Jeff Halfley and others, maybe in similar situations, might also be getting ahead of the posse a little bit. I think I think Halfley had done a pretty good job at BC, mm -hmm. but I also think heading into next year, 
if he didn't do a better job, he could be looking at being on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking, well, do I want to be the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator or do I want to be BC's coach on the hot seat next year? That might be yeah, an interesting choice for me to make, right? I, I just think this idea that there is going to be this brain drain and who will coach all of our college teams? Well, there's only 32. I think it's 32. 32 NFL teams, I think. Yeah, right. 32. I think so. The, the jobs in college pay really well. Yeah. They're good jobs. I, I don't think we're going to have a hard time finding coaches to fill these jobs. And I would also suggest if the jobs have gotten that hard, you know, you can go coach Division Two and Three. Mm-hmm. Like you won't have to worry about the portal so much in NIL. If it's really the problem is I just want to coach ball, mm-hmm. then, you know, there are places where you can do that. So when I start seeing coaches make those decisions and decide, I don't want my power five coordinator or assistant job. I want to go coach division two or three or go coach high, high school ball mm-hmm. ball. Maybe then I will be a little more worried about whether we're going to have enough coaches to go around. Sure. Let's tie then the volatility of college football and you know that having a, a repercussion for the industry, the coaching industry, into what's going on here where I am, Ralph, in Oklahoma. Mike Gundy is mostly love, but some hate relationship with this fan base, and part of that is as you've followed from afar, self-inflicted. He's done some things he shouldn't have along the way. He's an interest. He, he is a he's a character, for lack of a better term. Um, but he's, he's entrenched, right? He's, is 20 years. This will be number 20 for him at OSU. Do, does the, the changing dynamics of college football and the tide working against older, more tenured coaches see Nick Saban as that starts to turn against him? Nick said, finally, this is enough. I'm going to do something else and leaves Alabama. Should there be more of an appreciation even around here for someone like Gundy, who's willing to ride out the change and, and stay entrenched? So, yeah, it's interesting, like what the, you know, regional local perception is of Gundy and I guess what the national perception is. I do think a couple of years ago, there was this sense looking from the outside in that, hmm, wonder if that 10 years come to has run its course, just Mm -hmm. as what you said, right? He has been there a long time. Sometimes you have one message and one voice. Things can get a little stale. But then he goes out last year and wins you know, nine games in the regular season and plays in the big 12 championship game. I I just, you know, from, again, from my long range view of this, the guy's a top 20 coach in the country. I can maybe Mm -hmm. top 15. I think when he is most under, uh, under appreciate or undersold, he tends to rise up and have these really good seasons with teams that you think, you know, like kind of figuring out on the fly last year as bad as they looked early in the season. And it was a team that definitely had some holes. Again, they win the big 12 championship game and yeah. beat and beat the, in the biggest, you know, in the last bedlam for the foreseeable right. future. That's right. a game that if you're in that rivalry, that, that has, that counts five, right? He hasn't won that many of them, but you win that one and it almost counts as more than one. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, to me, I found myself moving into a place with Gundy. It's like, Hey man, as long as he wants to do that job, he should just get a chance to do it. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to find anybody better at doing it. I, mm-hmm. I, again, I can understand if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you might be finding yourself thinking like, is this all there is? Can we do a little better? Maybe yeah. we've run its course. 
But I don't know if you're going to find anybody to do that job better than Mike Gundy has done it, because every time you underestimate him, he comes up and, you know, has a, has a huge season, wins 10 games. There has always been a be careful what you wish for idea yeah. behind that, right? And and I think, again, it's reinforced by just the changing nature of, of the sport, because if, if you lose a coach, you're liable to lose half your, your 2D, if not more, right? Yeah. It's easier easier to jump into the portal. Their kids, guys are looking for reasons to do it, even if the coach sticks around, right? And um, I, it's not that OSU doesn't have a plan in place, but I imagine that it might be a little shinier and wealthier at places like Columbus, Ohio, and Eugene, Oregon. So I, I just wonder if, uh, again, there's a every fan base, not just OSU's, needs to maybe have a reckoning with the relationship with the coach, just just because of the sport, almost as much as the person. I would add this uh, real quick that I yeah. think the it is riskier than ever before to change coaches. Mm-hmm. I think you now more than ever you're changing coaches when you really have to, and at all co- cost you're trying to avoid the coaching change because the volatility that comes with it um, is is greater than ever. So the idea that you can make a transition. And all of a sudden you lose a whole roster or things like that. It's just, you know, you never know. You never know what you're going to get when you uh, dip into the grab bag of coaches and how that's going to work out. And then you tie that to the roster volatility. I think now more than ever, you want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Let's move to Norman for just a second before we leave the the topic of coaches behind. And and you use the word volatility. There was certainly a lot of that just a couple of years ago in, in Norman. It was weird because there hadn't been forever. And all of a sudden, Lincoln Riley takes the USC job on a Sunday that all of us are thinking, well, he's not going to LSU. He just said so last night. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. Hmm. And so (laughs) here comes Brent Venables, first time head coach, six and seven first season. The SEC all of a sudden is is looming like a saber-toothed tiger and crouch maybe might be the better verb. He goes 10 and four, 10 and three, no, 10 and three, I guess. This year, Ralph, does that assuage in your mind concerns that this could be become a volatile time for a program as as usual as usually stable, typically stable as OU? Or is, yeah, or is, it, I, or is that just a one season thing and let's just see what happens? Yeah. So I think I expected more year one. And I think I remember using the term I, I am gonna bet on the Oklahomaness of Oklahoma. Not necessarily the Brent Venables. Like I not not that I, you know, we'll see how that works out, but Oklahoma has proven over the years that it generally does football right. Like it gets it right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bet on Oklahoma being Oklahoma. And that's what we ended up seeing last year. But I will also say that. You know, part of Oklahoma being Oklahoma was built into it being the big dog in the Big 12. And you move into the SEC where you're, you know, a, I don't want to say a small fish in a bigger pond because mm-hmm. that's that's a bit of a slight to Oklahoma. But you aren't the biggest fish, right? You Now you're there's a lot of fish that are about as big as you in this pond. Uh, it, it's definitely a more crowded pond in, yeah. in the big. T- in, so you again, you get back to that volatility piece of mm-hmm. we still 
we, I, I was, in, we, we have to be encouraged by what we've seen out of Venables, not just on the field, but also in recruiting. He seems to be building yeah. some things along the line of scrimmage in the way that you saw SEC Clemson do those things. We're going to load up on deep. We're going to find those defensive linemen. We're going to convince them to come here. So that's encouraging. But what this looks like, and this goes not just for Oklahoma, it goes for most of the SEC. What the, the new reality of the SEC is, is going to, I think, be jarring for a lot of fans mm-hmm. that, oh, well, we have a really good team and we just went eight and four because this league is a bear. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that there's a new reality coming for the, the SEC, especially the Big Ten to a lesser degree, uh, but a similar but lesser degree that I think is going to make a lot of people recalibrate what we think of as success. And in a place like Oklahoma, I mm-hmm. think it could be even more jarring because, you know, success is championships and double digit win seasons. And we don't want to hear anything about anything else. Yeah. And, and that's just going to be hard to attain in the new SEC. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think everyone still around here, Ralph, has worked up over the site of Alabama and Norman and Tennessee and Norman and road trips to the Grove and Auburn and um, LSU. And they're caught up in, in sort of in that carnival. And I get it, starry eyed over, over how thing all of a sudden it's not tech, West Virginia, KU, it's these schools. Mm-hmm. But if eight and four becomes more the norm, the question becomes how long do those stars stay in, in those eyes? Is It'll be an interesting balance there, I think, that fans realistically might have to strike moving forward. It's the one thing I always wondered, and I remember talking to people about this, again, some sort of this like 30,000 foot perception of why I always question whether Oklahoma would want to make this type of move. move mm-hmm. In that Oklahoma's brand its brand, the core of its brand is championships, mm-hmm. right? We are the championship. Like, you know, Texas had, Texas had all the money. Texas had all the hype. Texas right. had its own network. Oklahoma had the championship trophies, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Stoops, that was every 10th word from Stoops was championships, right? Yeah. And when, like, what does it mean when that is no longer your brand to the extent where, and it's not just, football, though a lot of it was football, but it's a lot of the other sports where you can be, again, going back to that biggest fish in the pond. Yeah. And it's just not like, and this is not a slight at Oklahoma. I, I can imagine some of your, your, your viewers are looking at this and they want to jump through their computers and strangle me. But like, I just don't know if that's a, that's a, that's a realistic reality in mm-hmm. the SEC. And what does that mean? Like how, mm-hmm. how does what does that mean for Oklahoma? Now they made the jump, and I think they'll be okay because Oklahoma is Oklahoma. But you are giving up a bit of your identity in that we are the champions, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We are the mm-hmm. champions around here, and we stack championships. Yep. And I don't think that's going to be the case in the in the new in the new SEC. You know, one more thing on the topic, Ralph. You know, what's really wild is that when the news first broke, this was this was going on. Um, Lincoln Riley star was still pretty tall in Norman. You know, he, he wasn't, he was still in good graces and, and winning championships. And you looked at the situation in Austin, since everything seems to be tied to Texas, when you bring up OU and the move to the SEC, yeah. you looked at Austin and you thought, what, what the bleep are they doing? They, they're, they are as unstable as any so-called, you know, football Royal can be. How is this in their best interest? And here we are a couple of years later, 
the only coach of the, uh, unless I've completely uh, gone into a mind lock, I think I've got this right, Ralph. The only coach that's still there from the from the playoffs is is Sark. The other the other three, right, 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 from last year's playoffs. All of a sudden, they've got not just the right guy, but the guy who's willing to stick around, and um, they're managing nil. Well, they they should be managing nil. Well, they're Texas; they grow money, Um, and so. Is it? I'm just. Is it the, the script has flipped a little bit? It, it's Oklahoma that's got to worry a little bit more about are we really ready for this than than Texas after it was the other way around when when this news first broke. Yeah, I do. I do think so, and it shows how fast things can flip. Uh, I do think Texas. You know, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody when Saban retired, and we had that couple of day window when we weren't sure who was going to be the next coach because they moved so quickly. And of course, Sark's name came up. I remember talking to somebody who basically said, listen, I think Sark thinks now that Saban is gone, he has a better job than the Alabama job, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you remove Saban, right? I think I think when Saban's there, everybody is sort of running to catch Saban, but you remove Saban and now all of a sudden, I think there are a whole bunch of folks around the SEC and around the country who then thought to themselves, "My, I'm in a better position now than going to follow Saban. So yeah. and listen, this stuff changes very quickly. You are absolutely right. Oklahoma beat Texas last year, right? So I'm sure all the Sooner fans want to yeah. remind us of that. Uh, but it is interesting that Texas does look like they're going to be the top five team heading into next season, whereas yeah. Oklahoma will probably be something in the you know ten to fifteen range. And what mm-hmm. does that mean? And and I think again, there's a. I think we look at Sark and think, okay. He's got to go in a Texas and we look at Venables and say, let's see. Let's see how that works out. We, 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 it, progress, yes, but we're uh-huh. not exactly sure. Yeah, I hear you. So talking about the SEC and realignment and uh, where, where all of this is headed, anytime news breaks and the, the term joint advisory group is involved, I usually ignore it, right? Because it sounds, yeah. just like, yeah. it sounds like another useless committee. That now nah, they may do a few things, but is it really going to amount to to much? Let me know if you're really going to make some hard decisions. Um, but you attach SEC and Big Ten to that joint advisory group, yeah. and then you start to think: Is this if that was if if, if separation power you know power to two major conferences, the majorist, if I can use butcher grammar, conferences separating was always the end game here. Any kind of alliance between those two ought to get our full attention is, is are you do you buy it or are you landing more on joint advisory group let's just wait and see what happens here no no i do think uh it should be i don't know a warning um let me put it this way college sports problems are top-down problems so mm-hmm. they should be the people at the top should be very proactive in solving those problems. And when I say that, I don't mean the top of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. I do mean the top of what used to be the power five now is power four. And in reality is a big two. So yes, I think those two conferences should be talking to each other and trying to figure stuff out because I, I I've heard this from other people in college sports when it was, when it was a true power five if those folks can just get their stuff together, we'll figure it out from there. Like the, when you're lower down the rung, you're mm-hmm. not really that worried about what they're going to do. What you're actually 
trying to what, what you, I think a lot of folks were hoping for is no, let them figure out what they want to do. And then we can react to what they're, mm-hmm. you know, what, what the rest of college sports should be like. Here's where I would be a little worried. A, if I was in the big 12, I might be a little worried. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, suddenly am I being, am I in position where I'm going to be a little more marginalized? I think mm-hmm. that, 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 that what I would worry in general about, an alliance, and I hate to use that word because that became a that became a word that's that's taboo now. Any kind of partnership between the SEC and the Big Ten, where I would worry, I think it's a good thing that they are talking, and I think they should take responsibility to try to fix some of these problems. Yeah, right, right. But I think where what I would worry is, are they going to marginalize the rest of college sports even more than they already have? Mm-hmm. At some point. Are the SEC and the Big Ten willing to not necessarily try to squeeze every last nickel they can for themselves out of the structure, leave a little bit behind to keep it a healthy Big 12, a healthy ACC? ACC is a little dysfunctional within right now, so we'll see what happens with that. A healthy NCAA tournament, right? Like, are they willing to still operate in a big tent and keep the rest of college sports college sports healthy or are they just going to say hey man we're in for ourselves and we're building empires here yeah well you know it's interesting again we'll tie it back to to these parts oklahoma state they've been under threat in in essence since ou and texas decided to leave because that Remember Bullsby's infamous line at the at the in the courtroom, we just lost fifty percent of our value, media value, with Oklahoma and Texas departing. And it 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 be an existential threat to the security of the Big Twelve, and therefore by nature, Oklahoma State. Cowboys and everyone else in the Big Twelve rode that out because of Bullsby went and got some decent value with the replacements. And Brett Yormark has picked up where Bob left off and done some some good some imaginative work. We'll see if it's good work, but seems like it might be on track to becoming uh, helpful and fruitful work for the conference. There's there's some stability here, but I don't know if the threat ever went away, Ralph. And I and I think that as long as uh, the, the and you see what the SEC just announced its distribution, right? Was it 50, something like fifty? It was fifty, a little over fifty-one million per team. And again, like the new television contract has not even kicked in. Yeah. So yeah. understand that that fifty-one is about to take off. I remember the projections, um, I don't know if it was Sportico or someone actually put the, the graph out a couple of years ago that had SEC and Big Ten at 90, 80 or 90 million and everyone else just fighting for 50. And I'm like, this is, you want to know why OU went to the SEC? It wasn't just to play Georgia and LSU and Alabama. This is why, right? And yeah. so that that threat's always going to be there for, so I'm, I'm glad you made the point about, look, this this potentially becomes a marginal marginalization of the Big 12 and therefore OSU. And if you're if you're looking at that in Stillwater or or Lawrence, Kansas, Manhattan, Ames, Iowa, uh, it, it I guess damn well better have your attention, whether it's a joint advisory group, an alliance, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, listen. I, I, again, we go back to like the what the I, I think everybody is going to be over the next few years ex- absorbing a new reality 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because we literally are moving into a new reality between the conference realignment and the playoff. And, yeah. and, and frankly, we're going to probably have a new reality in terms of what the relationship is between the athletes and the schools. Sure. Right. At, that, what we're probably heading towards is something where there's revenue sharing and maybe employment status and something along those lines. So everything is truly, and this again goes back to the, the alliance or what, again, whatever you want to call a partnership between the SEC and the Big Ten. You know, if, if those two conferences come away and say, well, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to pay our athletes, our, our athletes $100,000 a year. I don't think it's going to end up that way, but let's just say. I mean, I, I don't know if the Big 12 can do that. Mm-hmm. At, at, when you, you, met, you talked about those projections, you know, let's just say it's 75 million a year for the SEC and the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That's going to be almost double. Yeah, or at least, right. you know, or, you know, for, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, 40 million, 30 million more than what the big 12 is bringing in. So what happens to the big 12 when the SEC and the big 10 can tell their, can tell, are recruiting to come here, you make a hundred grand a year and the big 12 schools are going, well, how's 50? Yeah. We're, or, or like, how do we do this? How do we keep, keep up with the SEC and, and the big 10? Mm-hmm. And again, I, I go back to this idea of absorbing a new reality. I, I'm not trying to be doomy and gloomy, but I think that the next few years, I'll, there will be moments when even the folks who follow the sport and cover the sport go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I thought this was coming, but I didn't really understand what exactly it would look like and the impact of it all. Sure. Yeah. So we're just heading into a brave new world here with a lot of uncertainty that we can kind of we can make some projections. But Mm -hmm. until it really plays out, I I think that we might not be understanding exactly what we're getting into here. Yeah. Yeah, And I think you referenced it a little bit ago. And and again, tying it back to to Stillwater and OSU specifically. I mean, there is a world and, you know, a reality where it behooves the SEC and the Big Ten to have a a healthy member, you know, FBS wide membership, right? That that you don't. I think I, I think, I think I, so, Garen. I hope they well, think that. You know, I think I heard you on a show. I, I don't. I think it was yours. It might have been um, another that you were a guest on just the other day, Ralph. Say, what if the SEC and the Big Ten become antitrust targets? Yeah, yeah, and I and I do think that could slow things down, right? I, I think that you could all of a sudden. I do think it could it could could slow. Uh, conference realignment. It could, it could, might be able to recalibrate exactly what they want to be, right? Do they want to turn into the AFC and NFC and we're just going to have our own thing here where we mostly play against each other? And are they crushing the competition around them, the competition being other conferences? So I do wonder what the legal ramifications are of that and what the legal ra- landscape looks like going forward. And if that motivates a more big tent approach for mm-hmm. those two conference. Yeah. You've been doing this 20, 20 years or longer. Or... Yeah. About 20. Yeah. Okay. Old, that's, what old guy. that's what I cop yeah. to. So yeah. uh, how do you feel about all this? I, I, I think I, I think I can live with it. I don't necessarily, I don't think anyone likes it. Yeah. Full stop. But I think I can write about it another few years. If I'm allowed, I think I'll enjoy going to games still on Saturday. I'm not sure I'll be thinking about, existential threats to, you know, the model when I show up in Norman or Stillwater next fall for the first time. 
So how are you, how are you squaring all this as a guy who's done this? And I, I take it still really enjoys doing this and covering the sport. I enjoy a lot of it. I, I never thought I was going to, ha- I think I'm a lawyer now. I really, I think I could pass the bar. I, I never thought I was going to have to cover this much, you know, read this many court documents and have to know that much about legalese to cover college sports when I decided I wanted to be a sports writer when I was 13 years old. Um, I, I, I think you are right, by the way. I, 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 I tell people all the time, this is how they get you. How they get you is Saturday. If they could just, if the yeah. people who run the, I'm talking about college football in particular, but college sports in general, if they can just not burn this thing down before yeah. they get to Saturday, because on Saturday, everybody's troubles go away. That's right. We sit down for 12 hours and we, you know, orgasmically watch <laughs> this incredible product, which is college football and the pageantry and the wildness and so much of it. If they can just, you know, if the adults can just not screw it up and just get to Saturday, I think we're we're generally fine. So I still enjoy that part of it. I still enjoy covering the kids. They, they I call them kids. I hope that's not doesn't sound demeaning, but I love covering you know the athletes. But a lot of it has become a bit, you know, like wow, like does this ever end? And, mm-hmm. and I do wonder if it will be as enjoyable going forward in this new machination. Um, yeah, I I, 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 I do still enjoy it. And I, I think that ultimately, if you can protect the product, which is the games, yeah. you will still have a, 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 a vibrant, a vibrant business and enterprise. But uh, all the other stuff uh, does weigh you down a little bit. And I can understand it, it being for fans, like not necessarily something you want to embrace either. Sure. Yeah. My dad's a diehard in Ohio State. He went, you know, he's, he's, it's legit. He, he graduated. He's a Buckeye. But, he, you know, you know how that base can be. He gets into it. Um, and <laughs> oh, yet, yeah. for all the, every, you know, every other day, he'll, he'll be upset about this isn't what I signed up for. Right. This isn't what I recognized. I still see him making, you know, a, not just a four-hour commitment to watching the Buckeyes on Saturdays, but, you know, another four on the aftermath, you know, whether that's post-game message boards, uh, call-in shows, whatever. So that, and I, and judging from the ratings, he's not alone, right? It's not like T, I don't think the sport has suffered for the turn that it's taken. I don't, I don't, in, in terms of mass consumption. Yeah. I, again, I, and I think how they get you is, is game day, but also even in conference realignment, because we will complain and lament loss of rivalries, this tradition, blah, 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 blah. But then you, you flip to the schedule and go, Oklahoma, Alabama. Hmm. All right, I'll sign up for that. Like, right, like, like you just, we've just complained about how awful it was, what the SEC yeah. did, how awful it is, what the Big Ten did. And I can't believe they destroyed all these yeah. traditions and yeah. what happens with Bedlam. And then the schedules come out and you're like, Michigan or Oregon, okay, I'm down with that. So we all become hypocrites to a certain mm-hmm. degree yeah. because – and even with even with the new Big Twelve, right? Like like the Big Twelve is not what it used to be. But okay, Arizona, Utah, like Arizona State, like these are some interesting matchups. It creates a really interesting conference with a lot of parity in it. Yeah. And hey, we could have a six way race for the top. Yes, yes. So like the the allure of some of this newness is also interesting, and it does draw you in. I, I think it does draw people in. How the playoff will work. I always say something, uh, Garen, you know, we're old guys. 
there are a whole bunch of new people coming, like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, who don't care about our traditions, yeah. who are now starting to, you know, become college football fans. And they will, in 15 years, go, you remember when so-and-so was in the Big 12? Uh, yeah, I guess that was a thing, right? Like, they'll, they'll, they won't care. Or they'll go, you know, they had, no, at one point, the playoff was only four teams. And a bunch of, ki- a bunch of people who are, like, 35-year-old fans will go, boy, that was a stupid idea. How could they have only had four teams in the playoff? So when we, when we complain about this stuff, I always like to put it in perspective that, like, what we hold on to, yeah. other people won't care about in right. 10 years. Yeah. And people do adapt, right? Um, Very coaches, adaptable. Coaches will tell you that, if the, that they either they adapt or they quit, which yeah. may be happening in some places. Yeah. Football, basketball, and otherwise. But that's yeah. that, if that's their tagline, maybe that should be ours and fans and everyone else attached to this, this game. Um, man, you brought up need a law degree. I was going to ask you about some of the cases floating around here, but I, I'd rather leave the, the show on a positive note. And, and I, I get the feeling you landed there. So how about we, we, we reserve a date for another program where we, we perhaps dive into the courtroom and figure out uh, which of the cases um, we, should, we should rank highest among doomsday for, 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 what, for our jobs, for our professions, for our passions and all that stuff. Um, I will. I will happily do that and, and dust off my law degree. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that that's that's a, we'll make a date of it. In the meantime, tell folks, Ralph, where they can find your work and where they can hear or watch uh, your show. Yeah, so the AP Top Twenty Five College Football Podcast, wherever wherever you get your pods, as they say, uh, you know, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, and again, anywhere you like to find them. Uh, you know, with the AP and my work, we're sort of everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> uh, we are in every major newspaper news news organization around the country, uh, but there is uh, APnews dot uh, APnews dot com where you can t- you know click on the sports tab and college football and find the poll and everything else that goes into our college football coverage. Again, or or you know what, Ralph D Russo AP on what is now X, what used to be Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I generally post all my work there and I like to, and my musings about, you know, college sports and occasionally the New York Mets. All right. Well, listen, promise me you'll get some rest between now and the next time I have you on. Take that vacation, leave the, leave that phone either on silent. I'd, I'd leave it on silent and back, back in the house. But yeah, uh, I might throw it into a pond. <laughs> <laughs> just kill the, just kill the thing all, all together. Yeah. That might be the way to go. Ralph Russo, my guest on this week's episode of Mind Games. Thanks to him for coming on. Please uh, follow his work, continue to read his stuff as we uh, head into what used to be an offseason of college football. We'll have him on again soon. We want to thank Jacqueline Musgrove, our producer, for her efforts, tireless as they are. Michael Lane, our creative director, for his. We'll be back with another episode of the show next week. Until then, please stay well, stay safe, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.